Good morning, Whitlock. Hi, Marcus here. It's nice to finally have some power. This must have been what Kathy Griffin felt like when she got to host New Year's Eve with Anderson Cooper. Okay, um, admittedly, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll have your host take it away. Remember, grab the day by the horns. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to AP Bio, the podcast. I'm Eddie Levy. And I'm Sari Arambolo. And we are so excited to talk about episode 306, That, 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 written by Charlie McCracken and directed by Richie Keene. To recap this episode for you guys, it's a winter break at Whitlock High. While everyone is away, Jack stays behind to record a video lecture to impress the University of Wisconsin's philosophy department. As Jack meticulously works on his lecture, things get a little bizarre when he gets stuck on the phrase, that, that. This obsession culminates with Jack having eccentric nightmares throughout the school, all thanks to Janitor Dale's winter break fumigation of Whitlock High. So this was a pretty crazy episode, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, I think for us, our favorite day working on this episode was when we got to be drenched in in blood, <laughs> which was which was such a fun day. Yes, we love this scene. <laughs> I just felt like we were in a horror movie. I remember when wardrobe had to pull us all over and put us in a little line and they would call us one by one and just drench us in fake blood it was just such a fun scene and then we had this whole obviously with that operation scene that one was crazy like to see that sort of body it really looked real so it was kind of crazy to look at at first but it was just such a fun scene to shoot with everyone and grace has such a funny crazy moment of course very on brand with for her with a scalpel um (laughs) wanting to dissect jack and yeah i i remember doing that scene and and it definitely was something that we have never done before. So those are always great moments, I think, for, for the AP Bio class. Oh, yeah. The blood was amazing. I was having the time of my life just getting splattered with blood. But can I just say, watching this episode back when we're doing this scene over Glenn's body, I feel like Eddie, the actor, did not get the memo of sort of this, like, very eerie horror vibe. Like, everyone, I feel like delivered their lines very like eerie and deadpan and like horror-esque and my one line I was like that's a lung girl or whatever I said and I was like who did not give me the memo that I was supposed to be like creepy I was like in a different show I don't even know I was like Richie y'all should have been like Eddie what are you doing (laughs) yo JG you got a funny looking sleeve man no offense. I think I found the heart. Girl, that's a bladder. How would we know? We never learned biology. I have to go. Why are you keeping me from leaving? No, we're not keeping you from anything, Mr. Griffin. You're doing all of this. Your mind has created an entire world of distractions to keep you from doing that video. You know, it's almost like you don't want to leave. Yes, I do. I think I do. Does anyone know where this goes? I'll make room for it. (laughs) I mean, it's actually perfect. Like, 
of course Anthony would say it that way, right? Like the sassy <laughs> one know. of the group. It was it it's really funny when you watch it back because everyone is just so deadpan eerie. That gag, first of all, was so interesting to to be there to watch how that whole, all happened because obviously props was very involved in this whole in this whole process um and there was a stand-in i believe who, who oh, was yeah, body there double for um or body double yes who was there for the majority of our scenes so essentially when there's a close-up on glenn's face glenn was present for the body but any other time like if it was a wide or a close-up on any of the individual students we had a body double laying there with us yeah yeah because it was basically like the entire body but the head part was cut out and there was, they built it so that someone could be on a sort of, I think it was a gurney, but there was some sort of way where they were pushed in. And so it looked like their head was on top of this body, but you could pull out all the parts of the body. And it was just, it was kind of fun. It was like, wow, it's like real life operation. All right, everyone shut up, shut up, shut up, shut your mouth, shut up. Two episodes ago, we got the chance to sit down with Glenn to talk about him directing episode 304, Get Hoppy. Now, we're back with part two of our interview, discussing all things episode 306, that, that, that. So we'd love to hear more about the evolution of your character from season one to season three. And it's it kind of seems like Jack is actually warming up to Toledo as time goes on and he starts to develop this love for for his hometown. So we'd love to just hear more about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when I first, when I first, like in the pilot, I, mean, I think you can kind of tell actually, if you watch uh, like the pilot versus, you know, second season, especially. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I, like if I could do the pilot all over again, I wouldn't play it. I think I, I leaned really hard into the, like, this guy's, this guy's an asshole. Uh, I, I already knew back, even back then, I was like, I know he's got a little, he's got a heart of gold, but like, I, I wasn't going to shy, I didn't want to shy away from like, you know, him being kind of, kind of harsh. I mean, I, I, cause I thought it was funny. Uh, but when I look back on it now, I'm like, could, I could have, I think I could have been a little, <laughs> it could have had a, a little bit of a lighter touch to it. Um, <laughs> so I think, um, like, I, I think the way it's evolved for me is I, I've kind of leaned into, um, you know what it is? I, I think it's, I'm letting Jack have a little bit more fun. Um, mm. I think that's what I discovered is that, is that, is that even though Jack is cynical and, um, you know, sort of above it all, uh, most of the time, I, I think what I realized was it was okay for him to, within the confines of, you know, his situation for him to have fun and, and enjoy, and enjoy the kids and enjoy the other teachers. And so even though he wants to get out of there, he's still, he's, he's gotten to a point where he, you know, he's like, okay, I'm here for now. So let me, let me have some fun with these people. Mm. You know, and I, and I don't even mean in a, even that in a cynical sense, I don't mean like, let me mess with these people. I just mean, let me have fun with this, with the situation that I'm in. Um, and I think that that has evolved for me. I, I don't know that I was really playing that color um, in the beginning. Well, let's get to this episode at hand, That, 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 written by um, the brilliant Charlie McCracken. And I mean, this is such an incredible episode for your character. I can't wait for people to see it. And I would love to hear your first reaction when you read this script. You know, I mean, I have always, 
uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, a show having a certain consistent tone, but then also taking these weird wild swings. Mm. Uh, just kind of like, you know, experimenting. Um, experimenting with, with how far the comedy can be pushed. What, you know, what, can, you, can you do, I mean, this is sort of like a horror comedy episode in a way. Uh, and I just really love that, look, I, I, at this point in my career, like I, I just want to do stuff that I think is fun and funny. And I think anytime you can surprise an audience and do something very strange and odd and unexpected, I mean, I, I just, I like that stuff. I, half the time, I don't even care if it's funny. I just want it to be, like, I'm, I'm okay with just pure, straight, f***ing weird. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I just like things that, I just like, like I, I want to do the kind of stuff, whether it's comedy or anything else, I just want to do the kind of stuff that you watch as an audience where, even though I know a certain portion of the audience is going to be like, I don't know what's happening here. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm like, Wait, get out of here. We don't want you. We don't want you. We want those weirdos that are watching it going like having almost the same reaction, but a slightly different variation of it, which is like, I don't know what's happening here, but I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm, in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I don't know. I don't know what, what the, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but this is incredible. Like I've never seen anything like this. It's so weird. And that's how I felt about this episode. It was just a, it was just another one of those, you know, rare kind of episodes where it's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a thing. We're going to, we're going to do a thing. We're going to have him going crazy inside the school alone uh, and covering himself in spaghetti and losing his mind. Uh, and, and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I approach everything, but I, I, uh, I, I still consider, I consider, I very much consider myself an actor first and a comedy person second. Um, so my approach to comedy is always like, all right, what's going on with this guy? Like, what, what am I, what am I fighting for? What am I trying to get? Like all that basic mm. kind of actory stuff. Um, and the thing that really makes it funny is uh, if the, if the intention itself is ridiculous, um, you know, uh, not necessarily how you play it. Although there is certainly a certain rhythm and musicality to comedy um, that I think is either kind of, have any ear for it or you don't I, that's I kind of yeah that's what I kind of believe but um but yeah no this episode was just so f-ing weird so weird so weird and I was like I don't even care if it works I just want to do it I just want to do it oh it's so fun one of the things that I think makes Mike such a, a strong showrunner is yes it's a very odd episode it's very strange it takes a big swing it's rhythms are different it's structure is different and all that but like it always comes back down to like what effect is all that all of this having on the character? Um, and where does this, what effect does this episode have on the character's overall arc of like, does he, is he, does he want to be in Toledo or does he not? Is he going to leave or is he going to stay? And Mike always makes sure that whatever happens in the episode at all, it 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 all kind of builds upon that arc, um, and this episode does that, and and I I love that. I just yeah, I, I just have so much respect for uh, for him and and that whole writing staff uh, and what they're doing over there. It's just, uh, um, it blows me away. Yeah, yeah. we love they're them so too. Good. So great. And then moving on to another mo- one of our favorite moments in this episode is when Marcus brings Jack kind of down to earth when 
He brings up how long distance relationships kind of just don't really work out. So we'd love to hear more about that and and your relationship with Lynette and how that love interest has changed things for for Jack. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's just a, another kind of thing that I think is making it. Look, anytime you can throw obstacles in a character's path, uh, uh, better, you know, and um, you know, so. Lynette becomes someone who is anchoring him to a place that he, you know, it's, he's gone. I think he's gone from wanting to leave Toledo to wanting to want to leave Toledo. Does that make sense? Mm, um, yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and that's, I think that, that's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that he's never going to let go of the fact that he wants to leave Toledo, even if he doesn't want to leave Toledo. Yeah. And so like he might, subconsciously not want to leave Toledo, but consciously he's always going to be like, I got to get out of here. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lynette is such a unique character because she, she, he can't get away with his usual bullshit with her. Um, And she just, she just cuts right through his, uh, his ego in a way that I think is so fun and interesting. And they're such different human beings, Jack and Lynette. Uh, I, I love that they're together. They're so, they're so different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it just it just adds to the complication of Jack wanting to leave Toledo in a way that I think makes, you know, raises the stakes in a cool way for the show. And let's hear from Liz Alderford to tell us a little bit more about her experience playing Lynette and shooting AP Bio. Hey, I'm Elizabeth Alderford and I play Lynette on AP Bio. My inspiration for Lynette... Um, almost exclusively came from a single line in the character description um, that I got in my audition for her. And it said that she has this YouTube channel where she reviews soups. Um, And might I add, you know, character descriptions for auditions are not usually that specific. Um, They, you know, they'll give a biographical detail or two, um, a general personality trait. Uh, but this one was so specific and so funny. Um, and paired with the fact that she was going to be this potential love interest, I was so excited because, oh, a love interest who's allowed to be deeply weird in that way. Cool. I'm on board. I, I really love how this show is just letting two scheming weirdos be happy without much drama. I feel like in a, a lot of television relationships, there's there's a lot of, like, ladies being ladies and guys being guys, and I do really enjoy how different their relationship seems to be and how comfortable they are letting each other live their lives, and there's, there's like, a, a really lovely peace and comfort in that. So I have high hopes for Jack and Lynette in the future, even if they don't end up together in uh, the proverbial way. I think they'll be best buds for life. I love your scenes with Liz. She is amazing. You're amazing. And so it's, good. I love just, her. I love yeah. her. But someone else that Sari and I love is Richie Keen. We worked with him on season love two it. on the episode Sweet Low Road and to have him for two episodes this season was 
such a gift. And I know you have known him for a long time. So I would love to hear more about your sort of working relationship and also the importance of working with someone that you really trust on such a challenging episode like this. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I have known Richie for a long time. We met through, um, a mutual friend, um, Topher Grace, who was on that 70s show while I was doing, uh, Mm. that 80s show and was one of the, kind of the first people in Los Angeles to, to, um, I don't know, make, uh, make me feel, uh, like I belonged (laughs) Uh, in a way, you know, totally. So, um, and Richie, has been for many years, very, very close friends with Topher. Um, and, you know, Richie was an actor, st- still is. And I don't know if you guys know that he's an, he's an actor yeah. and a really good one too. Mm. Oh, um, wow. so he started as an actor, but I, I think he always wanted to direct and was always directing, mm. kind, of, kind of doing the same stuff that Rob Charlie and I did when you know, like sh- he's shot a lot of his own stuff and, uh, you know, just for fun. Cool. Um, and, you know, so uh, Topher was like, I want you to meet my friend Richie. And, you know, so, we all hung out at some point. I was like, yeah, I really like this guy. He's, he's really cool. And then, and then Topher was like, Hey, Richie wants to be a director. Do you think you could, you know, maybe help him out or whatever. Um, and it's a little tough on Sonny because, um, we direct in these big episode blocks usually. So usually we wanted somebody that we knew had the experience to, to, to be able to keep all that in their head at one time. Uh, but we got to this one season where, we were like, we, we, we kind of wanted to mix things up and Richie had directed a couple of other episodes of television at that point. And so, you know, I had to meet with the guys with, uh, Rob and Charlie. And I was like, I, I, I think, I think maybe Richie, we should give him a shot. Um, we should give him a chance, you know? And he came on and directed, uh, two or three episodes or something like that. He knocked it out of the park and he was amazing. And, but more importantly, he's super fun to work with. Um, as you guys know, he's just, he just makes you feel comfortable. He makes everybody mm-hmm. feel comfortable. He makes the set feel like we're, nobody's forgetting the fact that, you know, there's a way to do this and also have fun at the same time. It doesn't have to feel like work. Um, I always get the sense that he's having fun. Um, and if he's having fun, it makes me, feel confident you know what i mean i think that's one of the things that he does so well is he he looks like he's having so much fun whether he is or isn't i don't know uh but he makes it feel like he is and 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 so you're you're like oh okay this is fun we're we're doing something right because our director is not angry and and frustrated because he's not getting what he wants. <laughs> oh my gosh. And before we continue, we actually got in touch with Richie Keen to hear a little more about directing this episode. So look, when you get a script as great as this, which was written by Charlie McCracken and Michael Bryan, uh, you are just so excited as a director because you know you're going to get to do things that you don't normally get to do on, on the show. And, you know, we really just all tried to approach it like it was a genuine psychological thriller horror movie. And that's incredibly freeing as a director to know that you're going to start in the world of the show and end in the world of the show, but in the entire middle kind of get to do whatever you want. So, um, you know, I just kept trying to think about what is Jack experiencing in this moment and how can the camera communicate that feeling? Um, you know, the lenses would kind of get wider and wider as it goes on, sort of stealing a page from Stanley Kubrick, you know, once he wakes up from the smoke inhalation, we're just, we're just in a different show. And all the departments did such an amazing job. The music is so great. The editing picked up pace as it went on. And, 
you know, we changed the lighting a lot um, uh, to to emphasize the mood um, when he when he wakes up uh, in in this dream, and uh, you know, and then the actors all came in and just absolutely crushed it, and just everyone had so much fun playing in the sort of psychological thriller sandbox. Oh, Richie. Um, so moving on to we have to talk about the montage because it's incredible. Um, the montage of you alone in the school and basically seeing the unraveling of Jack. How did you prepare for this montage where there's such repetitive as well as very little dialogue and you're completely by yourself? There's no interaction with other actors. Um, so what was that process like for you in terms of preparation for it as well as filming it? For me, preparation is all about um, uh, knowing the character well enough to be able to improvise as the character. Um, so to get into that I could put the character in any situation and I know how he would uh, react. Um, you know, once I once I know the answers to those questions, like how would my character react to every situation, to almost every situation, um, then I, it doesn't really require a lot of preparation for me because then what I can do is I can, all I really need to know is what the character wants. What am I fighting for in any given moment, you know? Um, and how a character fights for something is, is all the, is all the, the kind of backgroundy work, you know, of like knowing who the character is that I'm talking about. So once I know what the character's fighting for and I know who the character is and how he would, how, how he would behave, then, you know, and, and, and I already knew that I kind of, you know, I knew all the character stuff, or at least I, you know, as much of as, as much of as I, it, as I did know, then, then it just becomes about like making sure that I really felt connected to like what the character wants. And he desperately, desperately wants to, get this video right so that he, so that he can um you know make this awesome video and 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 get the hell out of toledo um so then it's just about like memorizing the lines um and and for me you know ha just like i my gauge is I, i've learned to trust you know after doing you know comedy for years i just what i've learned to trust is that if if i'm doing something that's ma that's making me giggle internally then I, then I just trust that I'm on the right track. So, uh, you know, if, if I feel like, if, if I feel like, uh, you know, what I'm doing is funny to me, uh, I just kind of go with that. Um, I, I don't plan, I don't really plan my performance very much. Um, I don't like to do that. I like to, I almost like, like I almost kind of don't even totally memorize my lines as you guys are well aware. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I do when I do. It's like I do when I don't. I like I've got it like eighty percent, and I don't want yeah. it one hundred percent because I want to. I want to be searching for it a little bit, and I want to be and I want to be nimble enough, and not so attached to a certain line or performance that I can't change yeah. it in any given moment should the impulse strike me. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So it was really no different with this. I mean, um, hmm. you know, just kind of like having the the dialogue about well but then but then there were certain like with, with this with the with the jack's like actual speech that he's giving i did have to memorize that like word for word yeah yeah so that was slightly different yeah oh to achieve its perfect form 
a caterpillar must withdraw, subscribed to the Lockean image of the mind. But Thoreau thought that that interpretation, that, that interpret, that, that, <laughs> to that? Okay, yeah, no, Thoreau thought that that, Thoreau thought that that, that, Thoreau thought that that, 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 <laughs> is that right? You mess up the that. It's just so funny. Um, and real quick, as we wrap up um, this episode, I do have to ask. I used to work at a restaurant that I will not name, and we would get our pasta in these giant bags. So seeing you with the spaghetti was quite triggering for me because there are lots of places that actually get their spaghetti like that. Um, so what was that moment like for you? <laughs> it was amazing. You know, I got This is one of one of one of the hurdles for me. Is I I, I don't like getting dirty and messy. Uh, oh, we actually have a lot of scenes in the show where you do like have to get dirty. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, it's it, but it's 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 a it, it's a it's a sort of a hurdle of mine that I that I want to work through because um, mm. it's really funny to get like dirty and messy. You know, actually, really fun to get dirty and messy once you kind of get into it. Uh, honestly, really, I learned by watching Danny DeVito, um, cause that guy um, does not give a fuck about getting dirty and messy. He's constantly slobbering all over himself. The man is a human. Being. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, he just like, cause I'm always, th- I'm always thinking like practically, I'm like, oh, if I get this on my shirt, then we, then it's going to be a whole reset. Like that's where my mind goes, you know, for mm-hmm. people who don't know how these things work. It's like, if I do a take you know, normally I would do a take and then we would, we would cut and then I'd just do another take. But if, if the take, but if whatever you're doing involves like spilling spaghetti on your shirt or whatever, then like, as soon as you call cut, you can't go straight into another take where you're inspired and you're in that mm-hmm. zone, whatever. You can't do that. You got to take your shirt off, which is going to mess up your hair. And then you got to, and then you got to like put a new shirt on and then they have to like, make sure that that shirt's like on right. And then the hair person has yeah. to, and it becomes like a, just a, reset every time so like i have i had a mental block i've always had a mental block i'm like i just don't want to just i don't want to have to reset you know because i like going 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 i like doing take 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 kind of staying in that zone you know um so so yeah so having to like get all messy with the spaghetti was uh was a bit of a challenge for me but but i just but like i have learned to i've gotten better like i i used to like avoid it like the plague and and get kind of crabby about it and now i don't get crabby about it i'm just like yeah it's great whatever just do it like it's a reset it is what it is yeah well we enjoyed it so thank you for enduring that for us (laughs) um pushing through (laughs) you guys just have you guys talked about this how wonder like how amazing this cast is like uh, you have, but like, and I don't mean just as performers, because like every, you guys are so great as as performers. Um, but the whole cast is just like so nice and so sweet and mm-hmm. so fun and so, you know, we don't have one of those like, you know, snippy like, <laughs> you know, people like talking <laughs> shit behind each other's backs like sets where yeah, you know, like after season two, like, uh, you know, Paula and Glenn just stopped talking to each other. It's never going to be like that. Like we just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I love you all so much as human oh. beings. Oh, we love you too, Glenn. Welcome back to double duty. 
where we feature those who have a dual role on AP Bio. This week is all about Charlie McCracken. Not only is he a writer in the writer's room, he also has a very interesting journey on how he became Coach Novak on the show. Take it away, Charlie. Well, when Mike had sold the show and was getting ready to shoot the pilot, they had to have a table read for the network. And the, he had some of his friends uh, in town come and read the voices for some of the uncast characters. I was given uh, Dan Decker and Coach Novak. Uh, I'm still upset I did not get cast as Dan Decker. I think I could have added something interesting to that role, but I think Spence does a good job. Uh, but for the Coach Novak character, uh, I just was hoping to help the table read as much as I could by mining that character for laughs. And uh, I threw on a thick accent. That's a combination of a lot of my uncles and my own coaches that I've had over the years. Uh, I threw a toothpick in my mouth and uh, I put a hard mispronunciation on that biology, which killed in the room and uh, really got a good reaction. Uh, I think Patton sort of advocated for me and Bob Greenblatt, who is the head of NBC, uh, was in the room at the time and he uh, thought I should be cast as the coach. Uh, and so soon after that, casting got a hold of me and I was asked to uh, play Coach Novak in the pilot. And then once the pilot went to series, uh, I was staffed as a writer and uh, I was able to sort of keep Coach alive in the, some of these episodes as we went forward. On today's Roll Call, Spence Moore II is going to give you his playbook on life. So listen up and take notes. Well, maybe not on the first date part, but everything else is pretty good. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Spence Moore II. I play Dan Decker on AP Bio. I'm here to read a few questions that the lovely Miss Sherry Rumbolo and Mr. Eddie Levy have uh, put together for me. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy learning about me. <laughs> I'm going to answer some questions. So the first question is, where did I grow up? Okay, so I, this, is, this is an interesting question because... I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, but I grew up in California. So I would say that I'm Cali raised and then just like St. Louis born. So uh, what is the best part about playing the only student on AP Bio, always referred to by his first and last name? I think it's kind of cool. I think it make it, it kind of individualizes me in a sense because um, everybody just has their, um, you know, just regular, regular old first name. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but it's uh, it's kind of cool. It makes uh, Dan Decker a little bit more mysterious, I would say. It makes him seem like there's more than really meets the eye. Um, where would Dan Decker take Heather on a, on a first date? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Heather, Heather is, she is fun. She is fun. She is uh, mysterious in her own way. Uh, kind of quirky, um, a little dark. Um, I would say Dan Decker would take her to the movie theater. Oh, wow. Where would Spence take someone on the first date? I'm a simple guy uh, and I'm a gentleman. Uh, chivalry is not dead whenever we are talking about Spence more the second. So uh, dinner. Some nice dinner. And I'm, not, and I'm not talking about like a drive through McDonald's type of situation, like dollar menu. I mean, um, we'll have some steaks, maybe have a, a nice glass of wine because I am of age. 
um, and the people I talk to of our, of our uh, of age as well. So, um, yeah, nice steakhouse, uh, wine and dine, uh, food is on me, and then um, a nice little evening, maybe at a view or something. Yeah, it sounds nice. <laughs> okay, so what has been my favorite episode of AP Bio to shoot? To shoot? All right, this was honestly the most, I would say, I don't want to say TV, not tedious, eh, not tedious, but last season, season two, uh, we had a tribute episode to Billy D. Williams, and um, it was really, really fun to shoot because it, it was kind of like a infomercial within uh, a TV show, I would say, and we had this really cool situation where I'll have to walk down this this like really really majestic like staircase, and Heather played by the amazing Allison Arm was down there. Allison Snyder, now my apologies, um, and it was just kind of cool because I I originally I started off in the commercial world and it just kind of felt like. I was back in a commercial setting, so it just felt very comfortable and familiar to me. So uh, that movie, I mean, that episode was really, really awesome. Um, What is a friendship deal breaker for you? Uh, I would say just being dishonest. I don't like people who who lie um, and aren't very upfront, so... I appreciate people around me who who will tell me the truth and be honest. Um, what is your favorite onset memory of AP Bio? Okay, so this is actually a throwback back to season one. We were shooting in uh, Encino, and it was a really, really dreadful shoot. I'm saying like we went past like 12 hours. It was a night shoot, and uh, everybody <laughs> was just kind of over it, myself included. Um, but we had to kind of push through. I, I would say that was our first test as like, as like a cast to see if we were in it for the long haul to uh, make something great. And we persevered through that night and we persevered through the rest of the season. And I would have to say that was my favorite moment just because it showed like the camaraderie amongst ourselves and just like like we were just in it to win it. Like no matter how tired we got, we were gonna finish that shoot that night and, and get our little four hours of sleep <laughs> to shoot the very next day. Cause we shoot every single day just about. So um, I would say that's my favorite on set memory. So who was the first famous person you met? Man, RIP uh, to the Black Panther chat with Bozeman, but I was actually fortunate enough to go to the MTV awards in 2017, I wanna say. And Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman were like sitting at the same table. Um, and uh, my boy Nate and my boy Ray at the time, well, not at the time, we, we just wanted to go up and, and say what's up because they were they were really big icons to us. We looked up to them. And uh, I saw Mr. Boseman and I just went up and said, like, how you doing? Uh, big fan of your work. And he just said, man, keep striving, young king. Keep on doing great things. He didn't even know anything about me. Um, how do you handle the rejection that often occurs in an acting career? Man, there is a lot of rejection um, in this line of work. I would say, well, first and foremost, it's not for the weary hearted. Um, you have to be, you have to have a strong backbone. I've definitely had times uh, early in my career. Um, when I would get very, very close to booking something. And then I'm saying it'd be down like two to 
two or three people. Um, and then you go and you do your, your chemistry read or your, or your director session and you think you kill it. And then it's kind of just up in the air. Then you find out you don't get it. And I used to dwell on the outcome that I didn't really want because I wanted it so bad. So my mom taught me to just kind of roll with the punches and not want anything too bad. Um, like right when you do an audition, uh, just kind of forget about it. Um, so that's that. That's kind of how I've learned to deal with it, just by having a quick memory and going and handling my business, leaving it all in the room or wherever it is, um, and then just kind of forgetting about it. And if I hear something awesome, if I don't, then on to the next. You know, what is the last photo you took on your phone? Should I check? <clears throat> Should I show it to the bio? Well, I didn't take it. <laughs> it was a selfie. It was a selfie. Uh, <laughs> that I took when I was leaving Trader Joe's. Uh, I saw this car with a mask. It was a car mask. And I was going to post on Instagram as, can cars catch COVID? And I wasn't trying to be funny because this lady literally had a car mask. I'm saying handles covered in, in like this, this kind of fabric that just cupped, that kind of encased the entire car. So that was the last photo I took. Oh, okay. So now you guys would like to hear about the new HBO show. So I have an HBO show out. Uh, it's called We Are Who We Are. I play a character named Dan Me Poitras. Um, and I'm kind of just like a misunderstanding. So the way that I started off on AP Bio was kind of that. Kind of a, a kid who stays to himself. Uh, seems a little bit mysterious. Um, you don't really know too, too much about him. I would say Danny is very similar to that, except he has a little bit more growing to do than than a Dan Decker, I would say, um, just because he hasn't had a lot of guidance um, in his life. Um, so he's left kind of figuring a lot of different stuff out. But it was a show I got to shoot in Italy, and it's on HBO right now. And this show is going gonna, is gonna to be a beacon of hope because there's so many people, there's so many different elements, different factors um, from these characters in this show that where, where every single demographic is covered. So, and everyone can kind of see that it's normal to feel a little out of whack sometimes, but there's always a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Jay-Z or Big Sean? Oh my gosh. I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> um, so for me, all right, I haven't listened to too, too much Jay-Z over my years, over my 22 years of being on this planet. But uh, the Don, Mr. Big Sean, mm, he's actually one of my favorite artists. So Big Sean. Miguel Chavez wants to know, <laughs> are you a pizza crust guy or not a pizza crust guy? You always got to finish the pizza. You always got to finish the crust. All right. What question do you have for our next guest, Miss Yu Yao? Okay. So, uh, Yu Yao. Hi, by the way. Um, I would say a good question for you that I actually want to know is what was it like filming your first season on the big screen? Like with, with dialogue and, and all that, like, how'd you take it on? struggles were you able to adjust i want to know it all i want all the tea you yow 
what is your message for the next generation? My message for the next generation is to not be afraid to fall on your face and don't be afraid of some hard work because Rome wasn't built in a day and with anything in life, uh, it's going to take time and it's going to take some failing and you just have to be strong enough to pick yourself back up and get back on the horse and, and try again. So um, be relentless in your pursuit of, of, of your goals, of your aspirations, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything, ever. You can always do something if you put your mind to it. Oh, Spencey Spence, you know, I call you my big old bro because even though you're younger than me, you always know how to take care of me. And I love you for that. I 100% agree with Eddie. Spence, I still remember being so nervous on my first day on set of AP Bio, and you were the first person who made me feel so warm and so welcomed, and you still do that to this day. We love you. And that's a wrap on this episode of AP Bio, the podcast. Thanks so much to Glenn Howerton and Spence Moore II for being our special guests. And as always, a huge shout out to our producer, Katie Wadsworth, and sound engineer, Trey Booty, for helping us bring this episode to life. Be sure to catch up on all episodes of AP Bio Season 3, streaming now on Peacock. And don't forget to boost your GPA by rating and subscribing to our podcast. See you next time, where we'll be taking a deep dive into Episode 307, Aces Wild.